Okay, we're doing the call of God, various different calls, ways that God reaches out to us, things he wants us to know. And today, we look at Elijah, Elijah the prophet, and the call that came to Elijah. It's a very different one than we've seen so far. Uh, it's a good one. A good one. Uh, it's the call to encourage. Call to encourage that comes from God. Now, just think about Elijah for a minute. Here's a great big hairy man. The Bible describes him as being hairy. All right. Now, some people say Norwegians are hairy. Something got lost there, so I'm not as hairy as I used to be. There was a time when you would have called me hairy, though. Uh, <laughs> used to be down here. So, uh, Elijah is a great big hairy guy. And if there is in the Bible a loner, it's Elijah. That's why when John the Baptist comes along and he's off in the desert all by himself, they go, he's Elijah. Because Elijah is the great loner in the Old Testament. He just doesn't hang around people. Says he came from a place called Tish, which is, as far as we know, Cross the Jordan River up in some high mountains there, and somewhere out of them mountains he comes. Nobody's ever seen him before. Here comes this big hairy guy. He wears skins like John the Baptist did. He's right out of the mountain men kind of guys. He comes down out of the mountains, walks over to King Ahab's palace. Comes walking in and everybody, <laughs> who's that? And he says, it's not going to rain again till I say so. Thus saith the Lord. And he turns around and walks out. And it's a big joke. <laughs> Look at this guy. Some wild man comes out of the mountains, walks into the king. Says it's not going to rain again. Till he says so. Like he's got control over it. So for a year it didn't rain. Well that might be kind of normal. Second year doesn't rain. Hey, where is that guy that said it wasn't going to rain? We probably should find him. Three years. No rain. Now crops are dead. Animals are dying it's been three years without rain. And now, find him. Get that guy. Well, we don't know where he is. And they look everywhere. They can't find him. The Bible tells us he's back up in the mountains. <laughs> he's living by a stream where the ravens are feeding him. So, finally he comes back down. And he says, I'm going to have a contest with the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel which is close to the Mediterranean Sea and he says <coughs> we're going to get the 
all the prophets of Baal. I want them all here. We're going to have a contest on who can call down fire from heaven. Me, by myself, always alone, or all of them. So they get 450 of them. There's 450 prophets. They each make a sacrifice, wood, and a dead animal. And Elijah makes his, they make theirs. He said, you can go first. So they scream and yell and holler, cut themselves with knives, jump up and down all day long. And Elijah's over there, maybe he's in the bathroom, holler louder. <laughs> he's a great guy. He says, maybe he's taking his nap. Call Baal louder. So finally, they can't do it. And so Elijah says, my turn now. But before we call down fire, man, we need some water. So they bring buckets of water, pour it on the wood. Pour it all on the wood. That ain't enough. Get some more. Pour that on the wood. And then he digs a trench around it. Says, get some more. So they bring three loads of water, drench the wood, drench the sacrifice, and now there's a puddle of water all around the sacrifice. And Elijah stands up, calls on God, and then the fire comes down. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That fire came down, and the water was gone in a flash. Just gone. And the fire was so hot, it melted, it burned the wet wood. Now, I burn wood every day. Burning wet wood is not something I do, because it doesn't work good. My wood is dry, because I know you've got to have dry wood to burn. Here's the wood they've been pouring water on. Burns that up, burns the sacrifice up, and then it burned the stones. It actually melted the stones. Nothing left. What a fire, huh? So obviously he won. When he won, he said, okay, everybody, those 450 guys have been jumping and screaming to Baal, bring them over to me. He takes a sword and he kills 450 of them. Now you might say, ooh, that's kind of gross. Well, here's a God's view of it. These people, if they have a service, it's nothing but prostitution. That's their church service. And then, if they're going to have a special service, they take a live baby and throw it in the fire. And God said, that's it. I want them gone. So Elijah, single-handedly, takes a sword and kills 450 of them. Say, wow, that's quite a day, right? These fellows had quite a day. So, yeah, you betcha. You call down fire from heaven, kill the entire prophets of Baal. Then he says, hang on, i got to pray a little. And he sits on Dowden Mountain, looks over the Mediterranean, and says, God, we need rain. And he said it seven times. And on the seventh time, there's a boy with him. He says, you see anything? Well, there's a cloud coming over, finally. How big is it? Big as a man's hand. That's not a big cloud, right? He says, this cloud's big as a man's hand. He said, oh, 
get ready, it's going to pour. <laughs> and so he runs to Ahab, the king, who's up on the mountain. And he says to him, it's going to rain so hard that you're not going to get off this mountain if you don't hurry. It's going to rain that hard. Now you look over, there's one little cloud. Well, God opened up the sky and it rained. And so Ahab's in his chariot. Probably got a best horse you can have attached to the chariot. He's going to go down the mountain. Elijah says, well, I'll bet you I can beat you down. And he runs in front of the chariot all the way down the mountain. So, how's your day going? This guy's unbelievable. He called down fire from heaven, burned everything in sight, killed 450 prophets of Baal, prayed rain, and then it comes a huge storm comes in. Then he ran in front of a chariot all the way down the mountain to get to the bottom. So I would say that that's the biggest day of your year. I'd say it's the biggest day of your life. Matter of fact, in the Bible, it's one of the biggest days ever. Nobody's had a day like that. It's unbelievable. Talk about being victorious. And every, and you know, when you're in the middle of some great thing that God's doing, every fiber of your being is used by God. You get in the middle of what God's doing, and you want to dig in and do what he's, and be with him. <clears throat> Everything that you have, all your strength, all your energy is used for God. And so you say, well, that's quite a day, you got to say. It's one of the greatest days of all. And now he just gets off the mountain, chapter 19 of First Kings. First Kings, chapter 19. Ahab is the king. He's the one that drove the chariot down. His queen is Jezebel. Just the name, you know, is a bad name. Chapter 19, 1 Kings, verse 2. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You killed my 450 prophets. Tomorrow, by this time, you are going to be dead. You're going to be dead. Well, he runs. Runs for his life. Verse 3, when he saw that he arose, went for his life. Came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah. Left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. You had the best day of your life. You get to the bottom of the mountain, you think, There, I showed him who God is. Now they know. And Jezebel said, I'll kill you tomorrow. You're dead tomorrow. 
and he runs for his life, goes out in the wilderness, sits under a tree, prays, God, I can't do this anymore. I used all my strength, all my energy. I got nothing left. I can't do it anymore, so I want to die. You say, wow, that's as high as you can get, right? And that's as low as you can get. And it's only a few hours into it. And he's right at the bottom. Let's see what happens. Verse 5. <clears throat> he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Behold, an angel touched him, said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, it was a cake baking on the cold cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink, laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came the second time, touched him, said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink, went in the strength of that meat, 40 days, 40 nights under Horeb, the mount of God. So, angel wakes him up. You got a long trip to take. Eat. He eats, lays down, sleeps some more. There's exhaustion of depression where he's at. You get depressed and exhaustion goes with it. And so, he wakes him up again. Come on, you got to eat some more. My wife's been telling me that. You got to eat more. All right. <laughs> Tell Elijah, you got to eat more. I'd like to get some of that food. He walked 40 days south into the desert and to the mount of God called Horeb. And that's down there where Elijah, or where Moses, that is, met God on the mountain, Mount Horeb. So he's way down, long trip down there and goes up to the mountain. Verse 9. Came thither to a cave, lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. And for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, throw down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. He said, I stood up for God and for the children of Israel. And I'm the last man standing. And now they want to kill me. That's what I'm doing down here. I got to get away from it all. I can't take it anymore. And so here's a man that's seriously depressed. He wants to die. He's seriously depressed. He said, yeah, but he came from so high. That's right. So there's a little bit of a warning. Verse 11. <clears throat> this is God. And God said, go stand upon, forth on the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains, breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So we have three major forces, wind, earthquake, and fire. Forces that are very powerful. If you've ever been through any of them, you've known 
that these are very powerful forces. And he stands on the edge of the cave and the wind rips a rock right off the side of the mountain and the earthquake and it shakes and then this raging fire comes by consuming any brush, anything and it says God wasn't in any of those verse 12 and after the fire a still small voice and so there's a still small voice because Elijah has to learn a lesson every day is not a high day. If you have one of them kind of days, it's nice, isn't it? Nice to be calling down fire from heaven. Nice to run in front of a chariot so you're faster than a horse. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he's really had a day, and God says, let me show you power, wind and fire and earthquake. No God. And then, on the edge of the cave, he hears a little voice. A quiet voice. He hears. And that's God. That's God. Still, small voice. Why? What's God teaching us? There are moments when great things are done. There are moments when we do big things for God. But mainly, our responsibility is to listen for the still, small voice. That's going to be the main method of communication. Sometimes you'll be feeling like you can call down fire from heaven. Sometimes you'll feel like, man, it's working for God is great. I can run, I can do this. And he does all those spectacular things. He prays in rain after three and a half years of drought and famine. Does all those things. And with God saying to him, I want you to change your thinking, Elijah. I want you to learn to listen for the quiet voice. Can you get used to that? Can you change? And so, big display of power, that's not me. Here's me, a little voice. And what does the little voice say? Verse 13, so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, stood in the entering of the cave. Behold, there came a voice to him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Same question, right? Same question. Why are you here? Same answer. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And so he says to God, I just can't handle it. I can't handle it. I tried to do your work, and my reward is I got to run from Jezebel and I can't take it. I'm overwhelmed because 
I did everything I can do, and it wasn't enough. So between Elijah and the still small voice comes a question from Elijah. What about the work, God? If I'm the only one left and your work needs to be done, what about the work? Who's going to do the work? I'm the last man Stand. Now, God will speak encouragement to the heart of Elijah through the still small voice. And ever after, with Elijah, he's going to listen to that voice. He's really going to get it. Here we go. God's answer to encourage Elijah, verse 15. Lord said to him, Go return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, when thou comest to anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Saphat of Abba shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. As it come to pass, him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. Him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So the first thing he says to Elijah, he says, you think you're alone. You think you're outnumbered and alone. You are not. I just happen to be keeping a count. I think that's thrilling. I think that's thrilling. God's keeping a count. Say, well, we're going to do the Lord's work, and where did everybody go? God knows. And he's actually counted 7,000 people in Israel, who never bowed their knee to Baal, never attended a Baal worship service, stayed true to God. Where are they? They're out there. They're hiding in caves, we find as we read. They're doing different things, but they're out there. He said, I want you to know you are not the only one. So I'm sending you with three jobs you're going to go to Syria. That's not Israel. It's a little country just kind of northwest, still today, northwest of Israel called Syria. I'm going to have you anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Hazael is going to attack Israel viciously. Say, well, that doesn't sound like a very good thing. There are still people who worship Baal. He killed 450 prophets of Baal, the leader of the cult. But there's still people out there. And so God is going to use Syria to punish Israel. All right? you know, he says, some of these Baal worshipers are still there. I'm going to use Hazael. Hazael wasn't a nice guy. <laughs> when you read about his anointing, when 
Actually, Elisha comes to anoint him. Elisha looks at him and starts crying. He said, you're a horrible man. <laughs> and he was. But God is going to use him to punish the worshipers of Baal. So, first of all, he's setting up the king of a neighboring country to punish the Baal worshipers. Second one he's anointing is Jehu. Now, Jehu was going to be king of Israel. And one of my favorite Bible stories is Jehu. He gets to be king. He's known for his wild driving. He drives a chariot so fast that he goes by everybody. It's like a crazy man behind the wheel of a chariot. And they can look and see, it's got to be Jehu. He's whipping that horse and they're running his fist. It's got to be Jehu. So he gets to be king. He's anointed king. And he says, you think Ahab was a big deal, a big Baal worshiper. Wait till you see me. I'm going to be a bigger Baal worshiper. So tell us, spread the news. I'm going to have a Baal worshiping party. Everybody come. And that's what they did. People from all over came to this big party. And he said, lock the gates. I want them all dead. <laughs> so he, he wasn't a Baal worshiper. He was a God worshiper. But he tricked them. And he killed a whole host of Baal worshippers locked them in and just went in and destroyed them all. So, see, Elijah took care of the leaders of the cult. King of Assyria, or Assyria is going to come over and put pressure on those people. Jehu, the king of Israel, is going to gather them all up and kill a whole bunch of them. So, Elijah, what you started, somebody else is going to help finish. I said, well, that's a pretty violent story. No, no, no. There's one more person. Elisha. He's also part of my encouragement to you. It's Elisha. Because he's going to come along after Jehu wipes out most of the Baal population He's going to teach people what to do. He's going to teach them to do the right thing. So here's my encouragement to you, Elijah. You think you're all alone. Nobody's out there. And you did your best. And the work is all ruined. It's not ruined. I got Hazael. He's going to bring pressure. Jehu is going to wipe out a major population. And then I'm sending behind you Elisha. He's going to teach and instruct and help people to get back to God. And so you see, you think you're the only one left? No, no. I got 7,000. God's going to use other people to continue the work that you started. And it's not all highs. <clears throat> Here's the encouragement. It's not all highs. You're going to have to learn to listen to the still small voice. There would be no more fantastic days for Elijah. Although he called down fire from heaven a couple more times. 
He's, a, he's quite a fella. But no more huge days, quiet days. Quiet days listening to God. And so in the work of God, the encouragement that God brings to us is, look, I don't ask you to be up here all the time. I do ask you to listen to the voice. The voice is important. Will you stop and hear the voice, no matter whether you feel up or down. Uh, you are not alone. God has a remnant that will carry on the work. And I want to tell you, you can't quite imagine how encouraging that is until you sit home in quarantine <laughs> and hear the work of God going on. All right, this is tremendous encouragement. When I started this over 30 years ago now, and I needed somebody to fill a pulpit, man, I tell you what, I was scrambling, looking for somebody. One guy came to me, I want to fill your pulpit. He was a pastor at another church. And he said, you just call me, I'll come and fill your pulpit. And he said to me, I told off the women in my church, so I thought, I don't think I'm going to have you come over. You know? <laughs> it wasn't long before he was gone from that church. Oh, that's not how we do things. And it was very difficult, hard to find anybody. Now, God has raised up all kinds of people. And actually, COVID has brought people to the forefront uh, that weren't there before. And God's saying to me, here's a little encouragement for you. They can do it without you. Thank God. I want to do it till I'm dead, okay? So they drag me out. He can't, finally can't talk anymore. He's dead, all right? That's how I want to go. But by the same token, what a thrill it is to sit in my house and listen to the, her playing and John on the piano and Levi preaching and knowing that what words are coming out of their mouth and the music is just what I would do. It's perfect. It's encouragement of God where he's saying, hey, look, there's people, I got people. I got work that'll get done. And it's amazing to me what's happened because of this. People have stepped up. There's a whole list of people who stepped up to do the work of God. And there was a time, it was true, where a lot of what happened, I did myself. I wasn't afraid and I'd got it done. But now there's a whole new uh, generation of people coming. I said, I'm not surrendering yet, okay? I'm still here. I'll be kicking as long as this old Viking can kick. All right, but I'm thrilled to know there's nothing as encouraging when the call of God comes and says, hey, you're not alone. I got you covered. And Elijah sits there in that cave. God says, here, first of all, calm down. Listen to my quiet voice. You'll need to do that most of your life from now on. Listen to my voice. I got it covered. 
We're going to take care of the bail problem. And it won't have to be all you. And by the way, there's a lot of people who believe in God and are with you. So others will carry on the work. Very encouraging, encouraging call from God to Elijah, who's a great, great, great man, and yet hits an all-time low in the Bible. I want to die. I can't take it. And he tells God, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do it. I'm the last man. Come to find out he's not. Next week, Levi will do the call to Elisha, the next guy in line, which is mentioned here. Make Elisha your next man. And we see a whole new story again about the call of God come to people. Thank you. I'm finished.